And we're going to continue the study that we began a few weeks ago uh, called The Road to Resurrection. And we're looking at four stops along Christ's road to resurrection. I'm sure there are plenty of others that we could talk about, but these four are the ones that I'm, I'm uh, most interested in this year and, bring, and feeling, feeling uh, compelled by the Spirit to, to address with you. And the first was that he emptied himself. First stop along the road to resurrection is that Jesus emptied himself. And last week we talked about he showed us the Father. And today we're going to talk about how he paid the penalty for our sin. And the next Sunday on Easter we're going to talk about how he defeated death. On the road to resurrection, these were the stops, at least some of the stops along that journey. Along the way we've also been being introduced to some of the characters that Jesus encountered that are sometimes um, overlooked. They're, they're sometimes considered minor, to have minor roles in the gospel story. But you know what? There's no padding in the Bible. There's no extras just thrown in for the heck of it. The Bible is full and complete and exactly the way the Lord wants it to be in every single detail. There's no wasted words in that book you hold. In fact, in Revelation, we're told that we're not to add, very severely uh, uh, admonished, not to add or take anything away from this book, from the Word of God. It's exactly the way the Lord wants it to be. So these characters that we sometimes consider to be minor characters, like Mary that we talked about two weeks ago, and Malchus that we talked about last week, and today we're going to talk about a guy named Simon, from Cyrene. These are not bit players. These are not guys that we could do without. These, these encounters that Christ had with these people were important and significant enough that God included them in his word. And anytime we're reading God's word, we should always be asking, why is that there? Why is that there? And what does it have to do with me? What is God saying to me? First, what was he saying to the people who first received these words? How is it understood by them? And then what is he saying to me through that? And I'm hoping that you'll, you'll uh, hear God speak to you from the life of Simon of Cyrene. Chapter 15, Gospel of Mark, verse 21. Then they compelled a certain man, Simon, a Cyrenian. Cyrene was in North Africa. Simon was most likely a North African Jew. There was a strong contingent of Jews uh, in that region. And on, has come to Jerusalem uh, on a um, Passover um, vigil. He's come on a pilgrimage to Jerusalem to receive Passover in the High Holy City. It's a long journey. He's probably prepared for a long time to be able to do this. And so here he is in Jerusalem uh, from North Africa to celebrate Passover. Then they compelled a certain man, Simon of uh, a Cyrenian, the father of Alexander and Rufus. I'm going to come back to this, but note that Mark tells us that Simon had two sons and names them. As he was coming out of the country and passing by, he was compelled to bear his or Jesus's cross. This verse follows the trial, the mock trial, the torture, 
the false accusations that Jesus endured, and now he's on his way to Golgotha bearing his cross. They seize this guy, Simon, Cyrene, uh, Simon of Cyrene, out of the crowd and ask him to help, or actually command him to help Jesus carry the cross. But it's curious. This is the, I mean, one verse. There's one verse in Matthew, one verse in Mark, and one verse in Luke, all describing the same event and mentioning Simon. But the fact that there's only these few references in the New Testament to Simon, as I've already said, doesn't mean that he isn't worth considering. You know, Mark, when he was writing this gospel, he was writing it in Rome. This is after the resurrection, obviously. He was in Rome and writing to, so the people who would receive this, this writing were Christians in Rome. Those were the people who first received this. Now Paul, the apostle, when he wrote his letter to the Romans, his epistle to the Romans, one of the other books in the New Testament, at the end of his uh, letter to the Romans, he lists a bunch of people that are in the church in Rome, part of the Christian uh, family in the city of Rome. He, he names them. And in that discourse, he names Rufus and Rufus's mother. And he says, basically, he says, Rufus, your, your mother is like a mother to me. Now, the only reason that Mark would include in this really short um, comment about this man named Simon would include the fact that he had two sons named Rufus and Alexander was because the people who were reading it would know who they were. That's the only reason that they're there. That's the only reason you would put that in. He's basically saying, I want to tell you about Simon. And you know, you know his sons and his, and his wife. And so that's who this guy is. He's, he's making the connection in their minds. So we have this strong evidence that Rufus and Alexander, Simon's sons, and Simon's wife, their mother, are Christ followers as a result of what happens right here. The impact of Jesus encountering that man in what appears to be a happenstance, chance encounter that the Bible doesn't give much space to was still so significant that it transformed a lineage, a family lineage, a lineage. You know, there's a lot of things in our lives, small little things that happen that we tend to not give much uh, credit to. We, know, we don't think that they have much meaning. But so often there's so much that God is doing in those little things. Those unexpected things. This encounter that Jesus had with Simon was life-changing for him, certainly, and apparently for his entire family. We'll come back to Simon in a little bit, but let's just leave that there for now. Now I'd like to ask you to turn to Isaiah, way back in the Old Testament, in the heart of the Old Testament, a book called Isaiah. Isaiah and chapter 53. Because what we're dealing with today is the fact that we have a Savior who paid the penalty for our sin. Now you are three parts. Spirit, soul, and body. Imagine the, that logo we all know 
the Target logo, right? It's got three rings, a red one, a white one, and another red one. I know this is an oversimplification, but the Bible teaches that you are a spirit. That's the eternal you. That's the part of you that was made for uh, a relationship with God. That's the, the real you. You have a soul. That's the part of you that is your emotions, your intellect, your decision-making part of you. And that was the part of you that was made for relationship with, with other people. The, and then you, that's all wrapped up in what uh, we all are most familiar with, your body. That's the part of you that houses all your physicality, your senses, so on, your biology. And that part of you is made for relating to the world around you. That's you, a spirit who has a soul wrapped in a body. All of that got messed up by sin. When the, in the Garden of Eden, when God said, the day you eat of this tree, you'll die. Don't do it. And they said, well, forget you. It looks good. We're going to do it. They rebelled against God. The and what happened was that death then began to affect every last part of what it means to be human. Spirit, soul, and body. We have been impacted by sin at all three of those dimensions. Jesus came to pay the penalty for how sin has affected every part of you. To bring healing, to cleansing, restoration, recovery to every part of you. Every part of you. And Isaiah chapter 53 shows us how he specifically did that. You know, the events of Jesus that preceded and then included the, the, uh, the cross and crucifixion, those were not just random events. They were all specific to what God was doing in paying the penalty for our sin in the person of his son, Jesus Christ. Isaiah 53, verse 4. Isaiah is writing 700 years before Jesus was born and describing what he would do as Messiah. Surely he has borne our griefs. Born means to carry away or to, to lift off of us our griefs, which means our sicknesses. And carried, same kind of idea, carried away, lifted off of us our sorrows, our pains. There's a lot of ways to be sick that don't have to do with viruses there's a lot of ways to have pain that don't have to do with arthritis. We can experience sickness and pain at every dimension of our life, spirit, soul, or body. Jesus came to lift that off of us, it says here. And verse 5 tells us how he was wounded or pierced through, is what that word means, for our transgressions. That word means our rebellion. He was bruised or beaten cr or crushed. That's not the same as being pierced. He was pierced for our rebellion. He was bruised or crushed for our iniquities. That's the evil that we do because we are in rebellion against God. You know, there's two, two words that sound almost the same and mean a lot of different things. There's sin and there's sins. Sin, singular. Sins, plural. We get them confused. Sin has to do with the state of rebellion that human beings are in against the, the Lord God. No thanks, God, I'll do this my own way. 
I think this is, I think this is better. That's rebellion against the rule and reign of God. That's sin. Sins, plural, that's the stuff we do because we're no longer uh, in submission to the Lord God. And pretty much that's nasty stuff. It says that Jesus was pierced through for our rebellion, crushed for our iniquities, pierced through for our sins, beaten for our sins. And then it goes on to say the chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, we are healed. Jesus was dealing with and covering in, 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 in what he endured. He covered all of the ailment of humankind, everything that sin has broken. And he did so very specifically. And I want to just make my way back through that for just a few minutes and then we'll be done. The first two things, there's four things here. He was, he was uh, pierced through, he was crushed, he was chastised, and he was striped. Just out of the first two of those things deal with my spirit and the brokenness of our spirits with, because of sin. The third one has to do with the brokenness of my soul because of sin. And the fourth one has to do with the brokenness of my, my physicality and my body and the material aspects of my life because of sin. You with me so far? Nod because it makes me feel better. Okay. So let's deal with the first two. He bled to cleanse the stain of my rebellion. It says specifically he was pierced through. You know, they obviously they nailed, they put nails through his hands, his feet. Eventually a spear was thrust into his side. They put a crown of thorns on his head, pushed it in so that blood would flow. He bled for me. The Bible says the life is in the blood. The Bible also says that what we have earned for our sin, for our rebellion against God, who can tell me is what? What have we earned for our sin? Death. The wages of sin, what we earn for our sin, is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. There's no way to deal with our rebellion against God except that, uh, that life be um, sacrificed. Why? It's not just because God got ticked off and said, well, well, this deserves capital punishment. No, it's not that. It's because our ancestors, Adam and Eve, they only have life when they are connected with God. He breathed into a hunk of dirt and said, become a living being. They only have life as long as the pipeline to the author of life is intact. When we said, no thanks, we unplugged ourselves from the only source of life. And we began to die and experience death and all of its ramifications. Not just the part where they throw you in the ground and put dirt on you. And so, to restore life is going to have to, is going to require someone to pay for that. Jesus did. And it cost him his life's blood. When that blood was flowing from his... I know it's kind of a gruesome picture. But when his blood was flowing, he, he was giving his life so that I could receive it. 
His life was flowing out of him, but making it possible for his, his life to flow into me. And that connection to the God who made me restored. So the fact, the crown of thorns was no mistake. The nails were no mistake. Blood had to flow. He was covering my sin and my rebellion. Then it says he was bruised or crushed for my iniquities. He was crushed for my iniquities. The stuff that I do because I'm in rebellion with God. Any of you, don't you have to, don't raise your hand. <laughs> any of you have any stuff in your life that you know flows out of some place that isn't good? Yeah. Sins. It flows out of our rebellion against God. And you know what? The weird thing is that when I, when I say those evil things, when I do those selfish, wicked things, I'm the one who gets hurt most of all. It's, this is going to be gross, forgive me, I, but it's what it is. I remember one time when I was camping with my dad, and uh, he would all... He, He's a fisherman backpacker guy and he we'd drive through the night and get to these you know put in places and and he'd strap uh this you know I want to say 200 pounds probably more like 20 but he'd put these big packs on me and we'd charge up the mountain and I don't want to say I wasn't a, a you know excited about it I was you know he wasn't this wasn't punishment <laughs> or abuse but we go hiking up into the you know above the tree line and I got altitude sickness one time really bad and it was in the middle of the night and we had put out a tarp on the on the ground and we were sleeping in our sleeping bags it was freezing cold and all through the night I'd stick my head out of the sleeping bag and throw up onto the tarp and then the wind would come and blow that tarp back at my face all night but that is such a good picture of what's how sins react in our lives when I when I vomit up on you guess who's gonna get it right when I when I when I disobey God when I behave in an unrighteous way it's gonna slap me in the face Jesus took that slapping. He took that punching. He took the abuse for my sins. To pay the penalty for my sins. He absorbed the blows unleashed by my sins. Goes on to say that the chastisement for our peace was upon him. Now, that word chastisement in a a loving, positive uh, context means discipline. It's like a loving father, you know, correcting and disciplining and teaching a child. Um, but this context that we're reading here is not that. This context that we're reading about here is something uh, much, much uh, different. A negative context. And in this context, that word means ac accusations. And you know the difference. And the Bible says that 
The devil, the enemy of our soul, he is the accuser of the brethren. He's the father of lies, and he's the accuser of the, of the brethren. He's the one who wants to tell you all kinds of lies about God and about yourself. You know, this morning I got in my car to come down here, and I was driving across the Mare Island Bridge, and don't ask me why. Uh, maybe it has something to do with my birthday this past week. I don't know. But my thoughts were drifting towards, what am I going to do in retirement? And I, and I quickly thought, wait a minute, I'm not retiring anytime soon. And, you know, I'm going to go all out for Jesus until whenever that day comes. I'm not really sure you get to retire from this job. But after I said that, after in my mind I thought, well, no, no, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm going to go all out for Jesus until I got nothing left. The next thing that came into my mind was, no, you aren't. You're done. Now, that didn't come from me, and I can tell you for sure it didn't come from God. Who did that come from? It came from the accuser of the brethren. And if you've heard stuff like that in your own life, you've heard that stuff that says you're not worthy, you're not going to make it, you're whatever. That's, that's, that's the accuser. The men in the Men's Institute, we're going through a, a, a series called Wild at Heart and where we're watching these videos. And there's five guys in this video that are, that are going through a process and we're kind of going along with it uh, or with them through it. One of the guys in the video, he was talking about having been raised by his um, stepfather and his stepfather saying to him, you're nothing but a seagull. That doesn't sound all that bad, but then he elaborated and said what he meant. You're nothing but a seagull. You're only good for sitting, squawking, and then a word I can't say in church that begins with S, bleeping. You're only good for sitting, squawking, and bleeping. Now that accusation did not come from God. That accusation came from the enemy and so pierced his soul it stuck with him for decades after that. And that's the enemy's plan. Because what happens is when he sows this stuff into your thought process and begins to reshape how you see yourself and think of yourself, more importantly, how you think about God and what God thinks of you, if he can bend that out of shape, then it will cause you torment, unrest. Your soul will never be at peace. So... Jesus stared that down for you and for me. And he took all of this false accusation from the Garden of Gethsemane on to Calvary. He was accused and, um, uh, and, and falsely lied about over and over and over again. And the Bible says like a lamb to his shears was dumb, he remained silent. Why? He was taking that from me. The chastisement for my peace was on him. So that today my soul can be at rest. I can know the truth about what God, who God is and how he sees me and what I am to God. The chastisement for my peace was upon him. He endured the torment of the accuser to bring peace to my soul. Finally, he was... Um, he was striped. By his stripes we are healed. He was striped. And that word and, and literally means his flesh was torn away. 
His flesh was torn away so that healing could come to me. He was torn apart so I could be made whole. You know, sometimes, look, I, I don't know the answer to how, how you know, physical healing works. You know, there, I, there are t- I have seen, I am the, eye, I'm the recipient, I'm the eyewitness of many miraculous healings. Documented, I'm married to a documented miraculous healing. By the way, she isn't here today, but wanted you to know that she was thinking of you. So I know that God heals. There are times, however, when it, it doesn't happen the way I want it to happen. I don't know why. I don't have the answers down to that. But I know this. I know that God is not capricious, meaning he just does what he feels like it on one day and doesn't feel like it on another. That's not God. But I know that when he, when they took that whip to his back and were literally tearing the flesh off of his body, he was doing that so that he could minister healing to sick bodies. But not only that. Now sometimes people get it the reverse and they say, well, this because I don't understand healing and I can't, you know, it's not healing on demand. I'm just going to, there are theologians who do this. They say, well, I'm just going to, we're only going to mean, we're only going to take this scripture to mean spiritual healing. By his stripes, we were spiritually healed. That's what it means. Except you have a problem because uh, in Matthew, when Matthew was writing his gospel, and he was, uh, he was writing about observing how Jesus healed sick bodies, he said, Jesus was healing sick bodies to fulfill this verse. So, dear ones, we don't get to get away from the fact that when Jesus was having his flesh torn from his body, he was doing so to pay the penalty for how sin has affected us physically as well. Spiritually, emotionally, and physically, he paid it all. That's why when Jesus on the cross said, it is finished. He meant it. He had dotted every I. He had crossed every T. He had sustained everything that he did on purpose and specifically for our redemption. And that brings us back to Simon. And let's watch this together. I was going into the city to celebrate the Passover and he he was being let out of the city as a Passover lamb but we didn't we didn't understand that um, when I got to Jerusalem it wasn't what I expected there was like 10 times more people there than the last time that I'd, I'd been there to celebrate Passover and it just seemed like the whole city was angry like just, just mobs of angry people and all of a sudden this 
this this guard, the soldier, he, he grabs me. And, I mean, he literally just pulls me out of the crowd, and he says, for me to carry this guy's cross. If, if this guy's blood gets on me, it's, it stains me, and I, I, can't, I can't celebrate the Passover. That's the whole reason I was there. It was hard to see the man through the blood. And then our eyes met. And I knew this man was not a liar. He was not a, uh, a crazy man with grand ideas. He was, he was the Messiah. I carried um, what I could. But he uh, he carried he carried most of it. We we began we began to walk. I I I heard the insults that that they shouted at him and and now at me. I felt the spit. I felt his his blood on me. They'd taken a, a crown made of thorns and then they smashed it on his head and, and, and blood ran into his eyes. They laid him out on a cross and they, they nailed his hands and his feet to it and they, they, they lifted it up. And he, he had, he had all of his weight on that one spike through his feet, and he would, he would, he would push up with all of his might and, and gasp for a breath to stay alive. And I, I couldn't watch it. He did that for hours. I couldn't watch it. it and I looked down, and I remember, I remember seeing my hands. My hands were stained with, with his blood, the, the blood that I thought would, would make me unclean. And I realized it's the blood, it's the blood that, that makes me clean. He breathed his last breath, and he died. And that was a uh, that was the day that I helped Jesus carry. That was the day that I helped Jesus carry my cross. He hung and died on my cross.
This is recording number 11099 from the Teaching Ministry of Crossroads Community Church in Fairfield, California. It was recorded on Sunday morning, April 13, 2014. This is the third message in a series titled, The Road to Resurrection. This message by Randy Bolt is titled, He Paid the Penalty for Our Sin.